At Solomon Brothers Jewelers, their customers always come first. They're a family business that has been setting the standard of customer care for over 30 years. They have thousands of in-stock options for wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds, and can promise the lowest prices at the highest quality. A diamond marks a new chapter in your life. Trust Solomon Brothers experts with commemorating the most precious moments in your life. Visit SolomonBrothers.com today to begin making memories. Welcome back to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, the podcast where we take action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. Myself, J. Scotty St. Clair, your host, along with my co-host Zuhair Ali, and our friend Nathaniel Muzzy are back to get into your listener feedback for Invincible. All that right after these ads we don't have any control over. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard to recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. Plastics can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance of what Hard to recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation, a conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, welcome back, folks. It is the Animation Deliberation Podcast. I'm your host, J. Scotty St. Clair, and I've got, as stated at the top there, Zuhair Ali and Nathaniel Muzzy. Guys, how are we doing? I'm going through a little bit of uh, invincible withdrawal, but it's all good. Modoc starts tomorrow, so I'll live. I'll, I'll make it through the day somehow. <laughs> <laughs> how about you, Zuhair? I'm a little relieved that uh, I can kind of chill with a little bit of live action stuff. Uh, mostly being sitcoms. But yeah, we're going to get back into the, the hype of binging animated series very soon. Yeah, yeah. And uh, those of you that have been you know paying close attention to the feed and whatnot, we have been partnering with uh, the Star Wars Universe... Excuse me, the Star Wars Universe podcast to cover the Bad Batch, which is ongoing. Uh, but then we do have MODOK just around the corner, as Muzzy mentioned. So we're actually going to do our first... Uh, live cast of that at the time of this recording that's going to take place tomorrow but yeah lots of exciting things happening here um, in the world of animation and we're looking forward to getting right into it Uh, we did have our five-star review contest that was in partnership with our our network the stranded panda network and they actually announced the winner of that review on monday's uh, marvel cinematic universe cast which they did on twitch and uh, we have the winner here uh, i have to give Thanks to Muzzy for doing the uh, the research here to find this winner on the the live stream. There, it's KL Bucks. So KL Bucks, if you haven't already, you know, reached out to um, the guys there at the MCU cast. Reach out to us, and uh, we will make sure that that shirt, whichever one you want, gets to you ASAP. And thank you very much for leaving that five star review. And on the subject of five star reviews, uh, Zuhair, we've got a new one, correct? We do. Sweet. And we what always appreciate many more, so keep them coming. Mm-hmm. Please. Hey, send us less than five, too. I probably won't read them out loud, but we need to know. Uh, <laughs> Drew Gretsch. I apologize if I said that wrong. The Invincible coverage has been absolutely fantastic. Big time fan of Marvel and Star Wars, not necessarily in that order. And I'm very excited to hear them talk about The Bad Batch, What If, and maybe Modoc on May 21st. Good news for you, buddy. We are going to be talking about... All of those. <laughs> yes, yes. As I mentioned, lots of exciting stuff just around the corner. And 
hopefully plenty of opportunities to uh, lean into our partnership with the network and collaborate with some other shows. And, uh, you know, even you pandas out there, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of you guys have really interesting and unique voices, just like Mr. Muzzy here. Uh, we'd love to have you on. This is going to be a listener feedback episode. So, uh, we won't be, you know, doing our, our normal pontificating and speculating and deliberating quite as much. We're going to kind of make this uh, a platform for your voices. So we did get a lot of good feedback, but uh, I wanted to take this opportunity to um, highlight some of the feedback that's kind of a plug for the network and the community, uh, which we are heavily involved in, and that is the Stranded Panda Network and the Stranded Panda Chat. We actually had a lot of good feedback uh, come from that community, and I wanted to highlight Karen McCormick Thomas's comments. So she said... Just finished watching Invincible. My feedback. Brutal. Actually, I really did enjoy and look forward to further seasons, but who knew animation could be so gory? Obviously, live the sheltered life. Um, and, and the reason I wanted to bring this up is because as much as uh, I think... I don't want to say enjoy, but uh, I think it is fair to say we appreciated the gore and how effective it was in this series... But there have been a, a few people out there that have, uh, you know, voiced a few misgivings and, and wondered if it was a little too gratuitous. So this particular comment in, inspired some nice conversation. Um, and I wanted to bring up uh, Kai Smith's report uh, response here, excuse me. And he said, I think they needed to show they needed to show the gore to show how much Mark is in, is in over his head. And you can even compare him to Adam Eve. Her parents never wanted her to be anything but a calm, quiet housewife. She just wants to help people. Mark, on the other hand, has been told for the most of his, excuse me, has been told for most of his life that he is supposed to become the greatest superhero of all time. So when he fails again and again, it weighs down on him more because he feels like with this power, the bad things happening are his fault. And uh, I don't know about you, but that final line there makes me think instantly of uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. That with great power comes great responsibility, um, being said but not quite said. Yeah, uh, it, absolutely. It's uh, this <laughs> that's that's clearly a Spider-Man reference, mm-hmm. um, but I, I I can see where the gore would be in a little off-putting. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost more shocking in this than say, like the boys is extremely gory, but sure. because that is like very obviously realistic you know real actors and dark and gritty Mm -hmm. you you expect the gore this show doesn't give you too many hints until omni-man just mercs the entire guardians of the globe oh wow yeah yeah and that's honestly that's where the the series hooked me as much as i enjoyed the pilot and just spending time with mark and in that world and getting introduced to all these characters and just getting that world established, it really was that final scene that I, I think has made Invincible be, you know, such a part of the conversation here going forward. Um, we've kind of talked about how the show is very similar to The Boys in a lot of ways, but I'm going to repeat myself here and say I really hope this follows a similar trajectory to The Boys where, you know, the first season gets a lot of buzz, but then when we get to season two, it's like, you know, the whole zeitgeist is right behind it. Um, that's that's my my hope there. Yeah. Um, Zuhair, did you have anything you wanted to say on this particular subject matter? I know you just actually recently appeared on uh, the Superhero Ethics podcast. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I I mentioned to Matthew Fox as well, was that they set up the initial Guardians of the Globe to seem like Justice League members so that we have that connection. Mm-hmm. We have that familiarity, and then we get that attachment within one episode instead of characters of uh instead of um episodes of character development excuse me to Mm. to develop this bond so omni-man coming in and wrecking them the way that he did it set the the presence of the show of this isn't your typical superhero show Mm -hmm. and this isn't your typical animated show it's it was what they needed to 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 properly depict the intensity of like this is how serious a story is going to be and we want you to know this right off the bat yeah yeah agreed and then it it all comes full circle there i mean uh 
we we saw little snippets of the gore th- throughout the series just to kind of remind us how visceral it all was. But then that finale, you know, just the brutality between Mark and Omni Man. I've been on on record saying it, but uh, it's been a while since I've been so so moved by something, and that's that's why I appreciate the gore so much because what you, what you're saying, the stakes are so high, and it's so effective. Anyway, we do have some uh, additional feedback, and uh, Zuhair is going to take take the take the lead on uh, on reading some of this out. So, Zuhair, what do we what do we have next? All right, Chris Thursby says. Damn right. If Walking Dead gets so many seasons when, in my personal opinion, they have kind of written out a lot of the heart and soul of the comics, Invincible deserves many more seasons. All the changes they have made just enhance the comic story and make it better. The heart and soul of the original story is still there and just being enhanced. I love this show. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the reason I like this this comments this comment so much is because we've we've had a lot of discussion about, you know, this being an adaptation and having the source material there. And while it does seem to be very faithful in terms of like the, the themes um, that are being touched on, I, one of the recurring things I've heard from even people that are very familiar with the source material is that it is like, you know, zigging where you expect to zag. And then the, the people that are, are super familiar with, uh, you know, the comics are enjoying it just as much. So, Muzzy, the reason we initially had you on this on this part of this conversation in the first place is because of your familiarity. You you kind of fell off somewhere. It had been a number of years since you read it, but uh, can can you speak to any of that at all? And your charming voice, of course. Of course, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, I made the joke that what this podcast really needed was a guy that sounded like he's from the movie Fargo. So, <laughs> I'm glad to be that guy for you. Uh, no, so... You know, obviously, there's so many people in Stranded Panda Chat that ha- have read the entire series. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I defer to them on, like, the greater arc. But, uh, yeah, from what I re- remember of the ones I read, and maybe I'll binge the comics over the summer. I think they're doing an omnibus, or there is mm-hmm. an omnibus that's pretty pretty affordable. But, Ooh, okay. uh, any, anyway... Uh, I, I I felt the show was more engaging, and part part of that is it's animated, so obviously, but even like little things they did with the twists, um, making Amber uh, African American, uh, right? Yeah, good call. Li- like the little things they changed, and Ro- and Robert Kirkman was very forward, like it. In hindsight, this is how he would have done the comic, is what he he said, or mm-hmm. that's paraphrasing mm-hmm. him. But yeah, I I think they took a great story and they're making it better, which not a lot of shows can really live up to the source material. So a plus to Amazon and Kirkman. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent agreed. Uh, I I'm super glad you you brought up the fact that you know they changed the race of of Amber. But then a, another character that wasn't as much of a focal point, but in the research I did, on the new Guardians of the Globe team, the character of Shrinking Ray, um, I guess he, that character was male in the comic. Uh, oh, comics. And the, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. So great opportunity to have more inclusivity and, and diversity there. So, yeah. Uh, but the, the other part of that comment, um, you know, speaks to the, the many more seasons. So, um part of the show that there's going to be a little bit of, of speculation about the future and i felt that the the next comment in particular um kind of spoke to some of that that speculation zuhair did you want to get to mr uh Geilenfeld's comment there yeah the one and only blake Geilenfeld says invincible question robot sends a drone to the arctic to get a flower what are the odds that in the world of invincible there is something similar to the savage land in marvel I, I can't speak to the odds that there there is a Savage Land in Marvel, but I, I will just kind of tease. We're going to get to some feedback later on that kind of makes me think that Blake knows more than he's letting on to here. Uh, but another one of the other reasons I, I like this comment so much is because we talked about that, that scene with the robot and how effective that was when he 
showed up and, and that's where we learned that he had you know multiple drones out there and just how far he was willing to go for for monster girl so um do you guys have anything you want to say in regards to that or the the savage land if you have any any speculation as far as that goes i know nothing about it so take it away mosey uh <laughs> so so i don't i don't know the answer to blake's question that hmm. said He's either 100% right, or they will never go back to that detail again. <laughs> That's uh, those. Those are the two outcomes I think are most likely. Blake, Blake, is, Blake is a omnipotent being who can see the future, or or it, it was just a plot a plot detail that they're going to sweep away. Uh, well. Not not to diverge too much here, but when you when you say he's an om, what do you call him an omnipotent super being? I something like that. I, I see. I, I'm I'm I've got a hundred pages left to go on Frank Herbert's Doom, so I, I just want to call him the Quizat Hadarak now. <laughs> not many people are going to get that one. <laughs> Current company um, included. What was that? Current company included. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Read Dune. Read Dune. The movie's coming out soon. Um. I, I think that that'll uh, cover it for Blake's comment there. Now the next one is uh, is from a, a beloved panda that uh, was very excited for Invincible to come out, but uh, I think his feedback might uh, might put him in a little bit of a mi- minority. But uh, I, I'll stop uh, leading the witness here, Zuhair. Why don't you tell us what uh, Mr. Artista Omer's thoughts were? Well, I wanted to add a quick thing on Thursby's oh, of comment. What you got? Uh, he's talking about like wanting seasons and the heart and soul of the original story and whatnot, and that's one of the things that I really appreciate about a lot of anime and some of the cartoons that we cover is the mm-hmm. ones that actually have a clear beginning and end, and everything in the middle is actually like building up to a proper story instead of like trying to get more seasons just for the sake of getting more seasons. And I'm hoping right. that this show actually goes in that with that direction since we have established villains and characters. And there, if if they were to say, like, hey, we only do five seasons, but we wrap up the story properly, mm-hmm. I would be happy with that instead of just, like, waiting for more comic book material to come out or making it up just to keep the show going and just to keep the gore and all that. Because then you lose the story, so... I'm I'm hoping that the true honoring of the heart and soul of the content is that they wrap it up when they're supposed to wrap it up. Agreed. Yeah, I I agree with you there. I always appreciate when there's a a clear end in sight, and the fact that the comic has you know run its course makes me optimistic in that regard. But to me, the the real wild card on the table, or what will give us more of an idea of how Amazon will exactly will tackle this, is that uh, that boys we've. We've already we've compared it to the boys so much already, but that boys spinoff that's taking place that's supposed to you know um, be centered around I guess the college for superheroes if I for supers if I'm not oh, mistaken oh yeah yeah um, yeah that's that's one of those ones as much as I like the boys and I like season two when they started talking about doing that concurrently with season three I was like oh are they trying to milk this too much so um, we did get season two and three for Invincible announced at the same time but. Uh, well, yeah, we'll just have to see. Um, I have faith in in Robert Kirkman. You know, I, I did fall off of the watch, Walking Dead, but uh, hopefully he learned his lesson from that. So yeah. uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, thanks thanks for uh, bringing up bringing up those thoughts to Harry. You always uh, always so insightful. All right. So to carry on with Artista Omer's insight. First of all, love your cast, love your energy, love your pandas. Sorry for the long rant, and even more for the negativity. Feel free to edit it down. Why would we do such a thing? Here we go. <laughs> I sent you guys a call to have me come up on the cast because I'm an animation nerd and invince ahead, but I'm kind of glad you didn't. I've been lukewarm on the show, griping about the cost-effective animation, but understanding why it had to be that way. I'm a purist, but I did try to separate what I knew from what the show gave me, and I warmed up to the series by episode 3. Really enjoyed episode 4 and 5. But it began but it began detouring too far and became something completely new that I kind of didn't enjoy. I felt that the show needed to be accompanied by the source material or the viewers would get lost. But yet, you guys hit some major plots on the head. I won't say what, not to spoil you on later seasons. Hmm. 
yay us so it became <laughs> something new and different and i felt it was i felt i was watching it only on my endless love for the source material and not for my enjoyment on the last episode, hmm. I struggled not to turn it off because I did not like the brutality. It felt too shock value and not enough genuine. I felt it was gory for the sake of gore. The comics became more and more graphic as it went on, and I developed my tolerance for it accordingly. Here it was out of the gate blood fest, and it didn't sit well with me. On other fronts, I'll make it quick. Voice acting is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Animation is sometimes jarring and sometimes smooth and powerful. Storytelling is good, but pales in comparisons, which is probably not fair, and I am glad it still touched you. I kind of hated the title card because the gimmick didn't land just right and always took me out. I knew it would Hmm. be good enough to get more seasons, so I hoped from the start they would give storylines and plot plot beats room to breathe and develop. Most of them felt blunt or one and done, and I wanted more. Relationships felt flat or expedient or even force, and I didn't buy them. I had high hopes, and it was met with mediocre satisfaction for me, but I'm really, really glad you like it. I did too, but not as I dreamed it will. I have even less confidence in the movie option, because animation has no limits. But if I could cast one character, Mr. Nakajima from Falcon and the Winter Soldier would be an awesome Mr. Liu, that Chinese old guy that turns into a dragon. I hope for more deliberations on animations in the future. Peace and love, Artista. All right. Yeah, there's a a lot to chew on there. The one thing that I'm going to say is that the title card worked great because I forgot about it every episode until the last one, and it always caught me by surprise. And, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think there was only one weak one out of it, and one predictable one for my lame brain standards. I, yeah, I think that's a pretty fair ratio. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it for the most part. And there there were a couple of ones where I was like, ah, you couldn't have been a little more creative, but yeah. Um, I, I, I would say to, you know, Artista, like, I don't, I, I obviously he doesn't feel bad about, you know, um, voicing, voicing some of his critiques or anything like that. But I, I do think it's worth, um, as high as we've been on the series, uh, it's, there is there is room for improvement um, in subsequent seasons, and I think um, one of the things that we've all alluded to is, is that relationship with Amber. As much as I like the character of Amber, just some of the handling, especially there towards the end, left me with a little something to be desired. But uh, I'm I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and see where they go from there. But even in, in like the terms of the animation, um, as as awesome and incredible the animation is, I did kind of notice where they were they were saving their budget here and there there were some of those episodes in the middle where i talked about the um poorly rendered 3d background characters and then there were a couple of times where you know mark was flying through the air and it was kind of obvious that he was you know um completely separate from what was going on in the background that he was just kind of a cutout drifting along but um in terms of you know saving saving their pencil mileage for the first episode and, and the final episode and some of those really high octane moments in between. Um, I'm willing to overlook things like that, but uh, what, what do you guys think about, you know, Artista's critiques as well as some of your own? You know, I, I, I obviously came away with a lot different feeling than Artista did. Sure. Um, but what, what I would say is it, it is always good to see and read feedback that is more critical of something you like than you are, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I, I think he makes really good points about the animation, which I, I have found myself after being on this podcast, being more critical of, uh, I, I, I binged, uh, Castlevania season four and, uh, I, I had some nits to pick with the animation there that I might not have had before. Interesting, um, interesting. But, it, you know, it, it makes you aware of things. And even if those things don't bother you, it, it mm-hmm. gives you a perspective. I, I think the one place I might push back a little, not not that his feelings aren't valid, sure. but... Uh, he seems to be hoping that the show would be just kind of 
a one-for-one one animated remake of the comics. And I right. could be I could be inferring too much there, so I, I apologize if I am. Uh, uh, I, but, I don't think that's un- unfair. He did make a pretty pointed statement about... Veering know. too far. Yeah, yeah. So, um, And it, it is... It is something like when Marvel started bringing movies to the big screen and, you know, the million different adaptations of, like, Hitchhiker's Galaxy, mm-hmm. um, if, if, if you can't learn to enjoy reinterpretations of things, you, your odds are against you enjoying any interpretations because they're they're going to be different mediums just aren't the same mm-hmm. and, and that that can be hard for because obviously he really loved the comics and sure, a, sure. for a lot of people that's true and this will never be that uh, and so you know for it, it's one of those things that you know, it's not right or wrong, but if you if you are going to ever enjoy the cartoon, you have to let it be what it is and not constantly judge it against the choices it makes that are different. To- totally. That's very well said. I would agree 100% with, with all those sentiments. Zuhair, you already kind of talked about, you know, um, some of your... Your, a little bit of your feedback on his, his feedback with like the the gimmicks especially there with the title card gimmicks but one of the things i wanted to point out um he said that the relationships felt f- fell flat and outside of you know what i mentioned with with amber and mark's relationship i thought that the relationships and the human side of this story was some of the the strongest stuff especially with like nolan and debbie Adam Eve with with Mark um, and with Rex obviously Monster Girl and, and robots. I, what, what do you what do you think as, as far as that goes? I thought they did a good job at setting up relations to build a bigger picture. Mm. But they were relationships that either weirded me out or I could have gone without. Hmm, Monster Girl and Robot being the one that weirded me out, and the Love Triangle being the something that could have gone without. And the Love Triangle hmm. was something big that we talked about on Superhero Ethics regarding that, because like a lot of it was a trope of, yeah, the hero falls in love with somebody, keeps lying to him, disappears. I mean, the only difference was that he actually got caught and dumped for it. instead of it being like oh my god you're a hero i'll take you back which actually did end up happening at the end of the series so i i do what i do see what he means by the relationships there's some things that um that there's some things they had to do for the sake of storytelling i wouldn't say they were bad but i wouldn't say that all of them were stuff that i like really really enjoyed like Hmm. The the Amber storyline, I think, did help display Adam Eve's ability to be independent and work on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I joked on the other cast too, saying it's like she's a strong, independent woman who don't need no man. Um, <laughs> and we did have the the storyline of of robot developing as a person because he's been a robot for so long. Uh, we see the the friendship of Adam Eve and Invincible develop because mm-hmm. th- they needed circumstances be to to get to that point, and we didn't necessarily need them to be a relationship. And as much mm-hmm. as I do, I guess ship them, like it's perfectly fine if they don't because they don't need to be. The chemistry that they have right now is pretty great. So yeah, a, yeah. a lot of the, the the relationship stuff, yeah, it helped build the story, but. Some of it was meant to make you uncomfortable, and some was it was just there to kind of set the scene, but like really didn't have a crazy effect in the grand scheme of things. That's 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 fair. I still maintain that I, I thought you know the relationships were some of the strongest stuff, even like the ones that we didn't get to spend that much time with. Like I, I just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of Cecil and Debbie. Like they didn't get to spend the greatest amount of screen time together, but those scenes that they got. For me, especially there at the end, were were super effective. Um, but 
anyway, it's like, like I said, room to grow. We're getting season two and three, so hopefully we get to see these rela- relationships fleshed out even more, and then we can become even more endeared to these characters. But, uh, well, thank you to Artista for those those comments. Uh, we'll always, you know, listen to all perspectives. Uh, that's that's what makes for interesting conversations, and that's what makes for uh, you know thorough analysis. So. Thank you for your feedback. Don't ever hesitate to send it in. I hope season two and three doesn't hurt you as badly. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of you. That's kind of you. Uh, well, uh, the next piece of feedback, I, I'll, I'll just let you uh, introduce this person. They, at this point, they almost don't need an introduction. I feel like they're as much a part of this cast as, as the rest of us. Aaron Deming, a.k.a. Sunny Tetris. Hey, J. Scotty, Zuhair, and Muzzy. The first season of Invincible was absolutely fantastic, and the season finale was heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time. As a reader of the comics, I really appreciated the changes that they made from the comics to better adapt to TV, as well as adapt it to 2021. Here are some of my favorite changes. William was in the closet at the beginning of the comic. Do you think it's a testament to the progress of our society has made in better accepting the LGBTQ community that they were able to let William be himself in a show taking place in 2021. It's also really funny rereading the comic right now and being pretty sure that Robert Kirkman always intended for William to be gay. He's got to be overcompensating when talking to Mark in these panels, right? Two, the introduction of the teen team was extremely corny in the comics, but I think it was by design. Instead of meeting them when they fought the Flaxons, which Mark did with Nolan only, he met them when practicing flying in only his pajamas and fighting the first of the Mahler twins as he was stealing processors from the electronics store. Whenever I recommend this comic to friends, I always tell them that the series not only pays respect to the classic superhero comics, but it would definitely spoof them. The name of the teen team is a perfect example of the parody in my opinion. It's so ridiculous if you really think about it. 3. Speaking of the Flaxons, in the comics they actually captured Nolan, and then when he returned, he explained that he was gone for 8 plus months, he implied it was even longer, but he was trying to make Debbie worry less, and they used a power dampener and put him in a slave camp. Good lord. Hmm. Wow. Showing him decide to go through the portal in the show was genius. You guys obviously picked up on the foreshadowing when he said, not yours to conquer, but also mm-hmm. showed how insanely powerful he is. Nolan is my evil Superman. Fuck Homelander. I still love the boys. <laughs> Four. The final battle between Mark and Nolan. I remember it being brutal, but not this brutal. This is how you make a villain terrifying and a hero an icon. Mark never gave into his arguments and was willing to die for it. I haven't gotten here in my reread yet, but I swear the fight went by faster. I cannot wait to see what they do in the show going forward and how they diverge. But but at the same time, I won't mind if they stick to the comics template the way that they have. I think I trust the people in the show to keep it interesting longer than The Walking Dead did. With animation, budgets aren't as big of a deal and filler episodes are less likely. I hope. Stay whelmed. P.S. I just want to say just one word to tease my favorite arc from the comics, just in case I'll embed it like a spoiler. And for the pandas who know that we block spoilers, he blocks it with the text saying, Bring Invincible into the MCU. Just kidding. But am I? Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Yeah, so that was that was the, the feedback that I was alluding to for Savage Land. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, because Muzzy, you you'll probably be able to educate me a little bit better. But um, Savage Land from the Marvel comics that was um, basically it, it originated out of the X Men, correct? And that's where like I know the character of like Sauron, who was basically like a, a super powered pterodactyl and and stuff like that. They came from this kind of like somewhat prehistoric, yeah. prehistoric, almost like Hollow Earth kind of kind of like realm, right? Yeah, it, the Savage Land kind of harkens back to, uh, like, the land that time forgot, like, those mm-hmm. old B-movies and stuff. Um, I don't know if in the comics it originates with the X-Men, but they certainly uh, made it the iconic in the 90s, and obviously okay. on, on their cartoon, sure, that's where sure. most people know it from. Mm-hmm. But there there are characters that reside in the Savage Land, um, 
uh, there's also like a vibranium deposit there. Um, during the uh, secret invasion story arc, there's a, a a large section that takes place there. Character for BVK Devil Dinosaur is from the Savage Land. Okay, uh, all, right. all right. So, so, uh, but it the Savage Land is in the middle of the Antarctic. Um, so, oh, okay, that's right, that's right. So that's where Blake is making the connection. And then ah. dinosaurs makes me feel like Blake Blake uh, Blake shot his shot and got it right. So uh, interesting, interesting. I- I'm totally down for that. Like like kind of that uh, adventure movie, like late 1800s feel. Like if they go someplace like that, I'm down. I'm down for whatever this show does. Uh, they've they've got me at this point. Just just do what you want. <laughs> Yeah, if we, if we get to spend more time with like kaiju and giant dinosaurs, like uh, the way they animated the Hail Mary and um, the penultimate episode of this season, I'm I'm totally on board for for huge bombastic and over the top stuff like that. Um, but as as far as the rest of uh, Aaron Sunny Tetris's comments go, I mean, coming off of Artista's comments, you you almost couldn't get feedback that's kind of more the opposite side of the coin there. Um, I, I really like that stuff that he brought up about William because even in the research that I've done about the the comic, um, that never really came up that much. So um, really nice to, to get that that insight there. And he he mentioned he provided a couple of panels that uh, that I, I wasn't able to include in this document. But basically, they're basically what he's describing. You know, William totally overcompensating and any that kind of trope that we're, we're all probably familiar with seeing. You know a closeted character trying to go over the top with the machismo and the, the womanizing and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah. I think it was really smart for them not to do that. And, and mm. I, I, I think Aaron's a hundred percent right in 2021. Like we, we've had enough depictions of closeted characters throughout the years. It's kind of nice to have one that's just out and that's not a, you know, it's it's not like a detriment to his character or he's, you know, I don't know. Do we ever see him picked on on it? It's normalizing it. And I think that's yeah. really, really cool for the show to do. Yeah, it's it's super refreshing. It's like they don't even like hang any kind of lantern on it. Obviously, he has the, the relationship with Rick there. Um, that's kind of a focal point for an episode. But it's, yeah. It's just you. You said it perfectly. It's normalized. There's it, nothing feels off about it. it. It was really refreshing to to see a character like that just to get to get to be themselves. And um, yeah, yeah. It just bodes really well for um, the creative voices behind this. In addition to to Robert Kirkman, the other people that are help bringing this to life. Yeah, I'm just gonna add on a little to what Muzzy said. Like being mm-hmm. a Muslim Pakistani American like I definitely mm. enjoy the inclusiveness and when they diversify the characters that they use but a lot of a lot of shows kind of like I hate I hate to word it this way but they like kind of throw the like political agenda on it and they mm. they push it too much and force it into the story right. like I feel like a lot of the CW shows have done that and this show did a good job, yeah. just as Muddy said, like just making it normal and natural. Mm-hmm. And this is how everyday life is. And this is things that people deal with. It's 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 things that don't need to be overdone. And they did a good job of just like, yeah, normalizing it. Very redundant, but it, I just oh no, it, it's something that I'm always just gonna push whenever the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, yeah, of course, I'm right there with you. Um, regarding some of the other stuff he, he touched on, uh, as far as the final battle between Mark and Nolan being a lot more drawn out than it was in the comics, I did listen to Robert Kirkman's most recent appearance on uh, Kevin Smith's and Mark Bernardin's Fat Man Beyond podcast, and he, he pretty much stated that was a fact. They they definitely upped the mm. ante um, for that fight, that fight scene and, and pretty much every way and it, totally the right call um, while I'm kind of on the subject of it one of the other um, swerves they kind of did in terms of, of, of changing up what happened in the 
source materials. Apparently, um, in the early issues of the comic, Mark faced off against a one of his high school teachers was actually abducting his fellow students and like turning them into living bombs, kind of like the extremists um, from from Iron Man and Marvel. But they they just you know obviously given what we saw with D.A. Sinclair and the college there they recognized that these were kind of similar beats and they made the decision to fast track that particular storyline. And I, I think it was the right call. Yeah. So. The, the Iron uh, Man three reference was that I was what I made to, uh, Sinclair's experiments. Oh yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. Because it was about like, well, not, not so much Sinclair's part of it, but how Cecil approached it. Because he said mm. like, we grabbed people who like want to do something for the country one more time. So I me- oh, I think yeah, I yeah, mentioned yeah. that on the cast at one point that I mentioned it to Fox as well. Okay. Talking about like I want to know what that emotional conversation was like, like what was the propaganda behind it of like like we saw the scene in Iron Man 3 where Killian's like talking to the people and you see that their amputees are sick or broken or whatever and they just they want right. to feel like they belong somewhere so they take the extremists to get their limbs back but then they're just super compliant after that and i'm wondering like how that went with cecil too like did he actually like go to like vet hospitals and was like hey you're gonna have no control of your mind at all but you want to like donate your body to kill a couple superheroes like how did that See, how did that play out my yeah. my interpretation was he didn't ask permission. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning towards. He just kind of well. said that line so that Mark felt better about it. Uh, well, I, I think he just said, was saying, well, they signed up for the military. This is what we're doing with them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, I'm imagining it's, yeah, it's kind of one of those things. Like, if you're an organ donor... There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun. But to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark. And I, I think, we're, yeah, that was one of the things we kind of discussed on that episode, too. Like, were they were they dead or on the verge of dying? And, and did they volunteer or, or were they made to do this? But either way, I don't have the answer right now. But I, as much as D.A. Sinclair makes my skin crawl, uh, I do want to see more of the reanimates um, going forward. They were super creepy and super effective. And I hope we get to learn a little bit more about them. Yay. I, I do I do want to just bring up a meme I saw uh, in okay. regards to the final battle. Uh-huh. I can't remember if it was in Stranded Panda Chat or if I saw it on Twitter. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it, it just said, Episode 1, uh, Omni-Man trains, trains Mark. And then uh, Episode yeah. 8, Omni-Man trains Mark. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, I like that one. There's another one that I like, too, <laughs> where it's like uh, they took they took one of the scenes from earlier on where, like, uh, I think it was when, I think it was after the the funeral for um, for the. Oh, I'm getting confused here. Anyway, it's Mark's going up the stairs, and Nolan asks him like, "You want to get some dinner or something like that?" And he's like, "How about Subway?" <laughs> 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 so, oh god! Yeah, yeah. Man, that 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 last fight scene scarred me so bad that like i don't look at those memes and laugh initially like maybe i'll give like a quick chuckle but then it reminds me of the scene itself and i'm just like oh god mm. too dark like I, I can't laugh at these memes right now that that train <laughs> scene might be like one of the most brutal things i've ever seen in superhero media yeah. yeah, I never looked at was... any of the source material, but like he's like uh, Sunny Tetra said about it feeling long. Like I felt like it felt long. Like I was like, this is still happening. They're not. We're we're in a different part now. Like we're continuing this. So like, yeah, I can only imagine what it felt uh, to for like him to think it was over, and then like more stuff happening. Because like from somebody who watched it with no uh, idea what was happening, I was like, oh god, this is still going on. Yeah, yeah. As as much as I was just laughing at it, like I'm I'm grimacing now, and it was it's very much a nervous laugh 
Uh, <laughs> you, do you ever have, like, have you ever, like, seen, I, I think of John Wick first and foremost for whatever reason, but I guess, like, movies like The Raid come to mind too, but you see, like, action that's just so ridiculous and over the top that, like, that's the only physical reaction you really have is just be like, my mind doesn't know how to process this, so I'm going to either, like, I'm going to squeal or laugh or something like that. Oh, I, I trained the two arts that John Wick does, so maybe I don't look at ah. it the same. <laughs> right, I'm actually right. breaking down what he's doing and wanting to practice it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't get on Zuhair's bad side. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, all right. Well, thank you very much to Mr. Sonny Tetris, Aaron Deming. I uh, really appreciate you, you know, always lending your thoughts and insights to the show and uh, all the support you provide. You are invaluable. I just want to give him a shout out for all the wrong answers he throws out during <laughs> trivia. <laughs> just misleading people. Uh, yeah. he, he is a necessary part of the ecosystem and I totally respect that. Oh, Martha. Yeah. <laughs> okay well uh i think it is time for two more well, not our final not our final piece of feedback but uh the final piece of feedback that we had submitted beforehand gotcha all right from another beloved panda jess kamai first you guys are awesome this show is awesome everything is awesome Everything is cool cool when you're part part of a team. team. Okay, now let's go. Sorry it's long. Overall, the show was so much fun. I had no idea that an animated series could be so visceral and make me so emotionally invested. You have not watched enough animated stuff. The voice (laughs) acting was great and really brought the characters to life. Every single one nails it every time. The sound effects were so impactful. Two biggest standouts. One, the scene where they bring the hammer down and the thuds of the birds hitting the ground. I'm cringing and getting goosebumps just remembering it. Two, the subway scene. The bone crunches Mm -hmm. and blood splattering. So visceral. Shudders. I like the way the show plays on superhero tropes, but switches them up in a fun way. Amber could have been the typical human girlfriend that the hero has to keep a secret from, and it's the source of their conflict, and she's just the whiny damsel in distress. Instead, she's a strong, independent badass in her own right, figures out who Invincible is on her own, and holds him to high expectations because of who she is, not who he is. That Mm -hmm. being said, I wish they hadn't gotten back together at the end. Would have been better if they hadn't gotten back together, but they they still have their friend group. I would play into awkward teenage stage where they have to navigate being friends with history. Awkward flirtiness is always fun. Adam Eve is the best. I want to be Adam Eve when I grow up. (laughs) <laughs> I could go on for another page fawning over her, but I'll spare you. Last thought. I'm glad we're getting two more seasons. Kind of don't want a live-action movie. At least not for a while because I'm loving this show as is so much. There's still a lot of bias against animated content. I would be afraid that people would value the movie over the show, and that would be such a disservice because the show is so good in its own right. But if we do get the live action, my wild fan cast is Jensen Eccles for Omni Man. Hmm. I could see him with the mustache. Can he, can he grow a stash? If he trains enough, because the mustache is what gives you your pie powers. Okay, <laughs> that's right. Well, he's he's going to be popping up on uh, the Boys season three as uh, Soldier Boy. So. Oh, that's right. Soldier Boy Town. Yeah. The the Thirst Squad has reported on that before. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I love yeah. how she held back her thirst on Adam Eve. I was ready to read that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I have to say I agree with everything Jess said. Uh mm-hmm. as, especially her point that she kind of wished that uh, Amber and Mark hadn't gotten back together. Yeah. That was the one place where I felt like the show stumbled a little bit. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, the other thing that she pointed out that I feel like we kind of dropped the ball on, as much as we talked about the voice acting, we've talked about the animation. She is 100% right about the sound effects. And that scene that she brings up uh, about the, the birds hitting the ground after the hammer, the hammer hit, totally, totally so effective. But then 
Um, she brought up the subway, but the one that stood out to me, I mean, the the entire scene is so effective, but when Nolan is just pummeling into Mark's face, like you can really hear the impact that's making and when the teeth go flying and yeah, 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 it's as, as effective as the, the animation is and as brutal the gore is, it, it would not be anywhere near it as effective as if it wasn't for the sound effects and the, and the Foley artist. And then, um, we haven't really talked about the music too much. I'll be honest. Um, beat for beat, the music didn't stand out to me too, too much, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, sometimes it just kind of feeds into the moment and it doesn't need to stand out that much. But I, I do know that they used a couple of cage, the elephant songs, which were pretty cool. I haven't heard cage, the elephant in a while. And they were definitely fitting for those, those sequences. But, uh, you know, I I did not catch any of the music in this, but the name Cage the Elephant brings me back to like Borderlands Two. Oh so, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so that that that's how old I am because I was working a full time job well out of college for that. <laughs> uh, Borderlands Two, man, that's that's one of the greatest games. Such of all a time. good game. Such yeah. a good game. Yeah, but that's a different. That's cast. not what the cast is. <laughs> <laughs> is, is you heard? Do you have anything you wanted to say about? Um, the the sound effects or the music or um any 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 of the rest of jess's feedback yeah the sound effects were obviously phenomenal like as i was reading her feedback i was thinking of when mark was trying to save the grandma from the alien invasion and you Mm -hmm. hear like you know like the arm get left behind and the splats Mm -hmm. and like every time there was something that was like intestine related like they had the just a weird like slushy sound like yeah. Um. They, they, so, yeah. Like, I'm. I guess I'm surprised we didn't talk about it as much as I thought we did. It. I get. It was just one of those scenes that was put in there so seamlessly that it mm-hmm. really enhanced um the scene and what was happening on screen. Uh. Yeah. Just, just yeah. to a very satisfying effect. And in regards to the music, like I feel like the music that was used like from artists was very fitting for the scene but it was nothing mm-hmm. that i would like want to go find the soundtrack for and play yeah so it was appropriate for the tone that they were trying to depict but nothing that i don't know if it's like out of taste or preference or whatnot that it's not something that i would just want to like listen back on hmm. i it wasn't feedback that i collected but uh I know in the Stranded Panda chat, forgive me if, if I butcher your last name, Nick, but uh, I want to say it's Nick Huckalack. I'm I'm just guessing. I've seen his name several times, but uh, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that. But he actually you know, shared a little snippet that he was listening to the Invincible soundtrack on Spotify. So he's really enjoying it, and I, I sent him an invitation to submit some feedback, but he was still working on finishing the series, so... Um, Hopefully he, hopefully he continued to enjoy it um, all the way up through the end. I have to imagine if he liked it enough to seek out the soundtrack, he was probably pretty satisfied. But maybe we can um, you know, get his thoughts at a later time. But yeah. anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I really do want to thank Jess for you know, being such a, a avid supporter of the show. She's uh, a great panda and always supports me in, in my art and everything like that. So appreciate you, Jess, and, and thanks for giving your thoughts. Now, uh, Zuhair, you did have uh, some feedback that was submitted to you directly. Yes, my friend here. from college has been listening in and definitely had been like watching how much she's been talking on Facebook about it. So I messaged her like right before. I was like, hey, do you have anything that you want to put in? Mm. So Eric Donaldson says, overall, it was more than a pleasant surprise. I went into it with the sure, it looks good attitude and easily became a part of my Friday morning routine. The story flowed so smoothly, and the casting was a total chef's kiss. Plus, the fact that Mark was levitating around the house like Nolan did before he took off serves me to kind of a foreshadow that Mark is well on his way to taking way to taking his come up or even surpass his dad in some sort of way, which is good because he's got to stop waking up in hospital beds. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> The foreshadowing point was interesting of like the similarities because he did look up to his dad for so long and even when the fight between the two of them started like 
he wasn't even fighting him because of him killing Immortal in front of him. It was because he thought that he was, like, brain-controlled or something. Yeah. So there's yeah. there's a strong relationship that he has with his father that he just can't let go. And now, like, you see how much his mannerisms have actually affected his uh, personality. Yeah. I, and, and I think that through line is, is one of the reasons that the the story affects me as much as it did. And I, I enjoyed it as thoroughly as I did. Like a little bit snippet into my personal life. I'm, I'm a junior. I, I was born on the same day as my dad. I have the same birthday as my dad. So there's always been, um, that pressure and nothing against my dad. He's, he's a wonderful guy and he's never been overt about it or anything like that, but just being a junior and, and sharing a, a name and, and having that connection, like, I very much related to Mark, especially in that first episode when he's like, you know, I want to be just like you and ah, man, where he comes full circle there at the, at the end, it's, it is really powerful stuff. So thank you, Eric, for, you know, uh, bringing that up. It it definitely was, uh, we talk about the relationships and the action and the gore and everything like that. But at the end of the day, it is very much a, a father and son story and, and some of the best ones out there, you know, I'm, Star Wars, obviously, but uh, Indiana Jones as well has has some some really great stuff in that regard, and Invincible's right up there with it. So, thanks, Erica. Oh, Erica, excuse me, I heard Eric. My bad. Sorry, Erica. I don't know that I have anything to add. Uh, I do agree. <laughs> I, I agree with Jay Scotty's point about you know the emotional weight of this. You could not do this show without the emotional weight. If they if they had missed that, the gore wouldn't have worked. The jokes wouldn't have worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like because at the end of it, if if all it was is gory, that's not enough to keep people's attention. Uh, and plenty plenty of pieces of media have shown that. But the storyline mm-hmm. on this works so well, and like you said. All the credit to Kirkman and the team on this show because, like, these characters, you want to see what happens to them. Even Nolan, who, you know, by the end, you kind of hate. Yeah, like, yeah. like, when he flies away, it's like, well, where's he going? What's his, you know, and, and, like, if we don't find out, that would be, like, the worst. I'm sure we will, though. Oh, I mean, we gotta. Yeah. At some at some point, there's going to be a Viltrumite invasion. There's mm. gotta be. So. Man, I just want to mm. see an episode dedicated to the Viltrumites interacting with Omni Man of how dare you leave your post and how that conversation goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's gotta that's... be some fallout. Well, and I'm curious, like, how how strong of a Viltrumite is Nolan? Good question. We gonna find you out. Know, like, like, what if Nolan's just a punk? I don't think that's going to be the case, but... Mm. but yeah. uh, Zuhair, did, did Erica have more feedback, or is this this kind of seems like a natural um, opportunity for us to pivot into our, our predictions for future seasons? Um, pivot away. But I, I, I don't want to cut Erica off. Nope, that was it. Oh, okay, cool. Um, well, in terms of, you know, expectations for season two, I, I, I don't think... There's a, a ton that I can speculate on other than, you know, we just mentioned Nolan. I definitely hope that we, I think Zuhair, you specifically said if we got like one kind of like bottle episode showing where Nolan's at and what he's been doing during this time, like that would be pretty cool. I would be, otherwise I would be kind of okay if we took a little bit of a break for him and let, you know, Mark ex- exist on his own um, and, and face some other challenges outside of that, but Coalitions of Planets got dropped. Uh, definitely want to see that come back. Um, the Doctor with the the seismic gloves, um, who I who I very much thought passed away. I, I upon doing a rewatch, I just I kind of forgot how much I really enjoyed just that uh, that mad scientist trope and how kooky he was and how how um, inventive some of the the action was there with him bouncing around with those gloves so i'd be excited to see him as well as michael dorn's uh battle beast and then muzzy i know one of your favorites but i i certainly hope we didn't get damian dark blood back towards the end half of this first season but hopefully he comes back yeah you know i i think 
if I had to guess, we're going to get maybe a couple of episodes spent on the face huggers from Mars. Oh, right. The sequids. Yeah, sequids. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I think we will get like snippets of or a bottle episode of goings on in space, whether that's Nolan or a coalition of planets or those things combined. Mm-hmm. Um, what what I'm mostly excited for is what the other episodes are going to be. I do think you're right that it'll be... So, season one was Nolan helping Mark uh, become a hero. I yeah. think this is going to be Mark figuring out what that means now. And, and I think that'll be really interesting. Certainly. Certainly. Did you hear? Ugh, you caught me mid-yawn. Excuse me. How dare you? Um, Are we boring you, sir? No, I'm just like, I'm filling in my <laughs> lungs for this next bit of talking that I'm about to do. I'm kidding. God, go for yawning it. is a very multi-purpose <laughs> thing. Okay. Sticking with it. It's very contagious as well, so watch yourself, okay? Well, it's so that you can build up for your next one. Duh. Okay. I'm setting okay. you up for yours. <laughs> but Real team player. speaking of set up, you did kind of say the the couple things that I was really looking forward to. I do want oh. to see this this coalition and what the extent of that is, what kind of other odd characters we see from different planets. Um I do want to mm-hmm. see Omni Man interacting with the Viltrumites and see what his power level is like. I kinda of wanna see him pick a fight with Battle Beast. I know Muzzy would love mm. to see that as well, to see how well, yeah. they relate in power level now that we see what Omni-Man's relation to Invincible is in regards to power level. Sure. And I'm just a huge fan of Jason Manzuka, so like I want to see more of Rexplo just for that, because yeah. he's just he over-exaggerates everything, and it's hilarious, and I love it, but when like shit gets real, like he nails the tone that depicts that. Mm-hmm. And especially with him dealing with a younger version of himself, uh, I feel like we're <laughs> going to be getting a lot of his past trauma, which could be like really dark or really funny. And I can't wait to find out where that goes. Yeah, that, that's a great call out. We haven't talked about them them too much, but uh, you know the the new guardians of the of the globe are definitely a a strong part of the series, and uh, I'll I'll definitely look forward to seeing them continue um, to come come into their own and, and function as a team but i have to imagine there will there will be some uh interpersonal conflicts there as well they just seem like a uh a volatile bunch uh rex rexplode not being the least of those <laughs> so i kind of want to see like what immortal coming back is going to mean for that team too because if yeah, omni man's yeah. not there right away like he's gonna need some type of purpose at that point and like yeah i could see this conflict of him trying to take over the team when it's not his place or how he's yeah. how he's gonna deal with that i have to imagine he has history with black samson given the fact that we knew black samson was a former guardian of the globe and just given you know immortals longevity i mean i, I think that's kind of a given that they've they've served together before for lack of a better uh way of describing it so yeah. i wonder if they got along or if like you said we've already saw um rex and black samson butt heads for leadership i, I could definitely see something similar happen i just want to know 100 percent for sure if invincible was abraham lincoln <laughs> you mean immortal yeah or yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, <laughs> immortal. It's funny. I'm actually reading the the wiki post for it right now, and it says the immortal, the millennial old leader of the Guardians, who was once a barbarian before he was exposed to cosmic anomaly. He went on to fight mm. the Crusades and become Abraham Lincoln. Nice. Hell yeah! Very cool. <laughs> so, I and I don't think that's a spoiler because they do show it. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I was I was convinced when we were casting, yeah, just looking <laughs> yeah. at it frame by frame. Yeah, I think they, they very much wanted that to be telecast or broadcast, yeah. Just imagine, like, this huge funeral for Abe Lincoln, and he's just, like, holding his breath, pretending to be dead, and just, like, digging out of the ground late at night when everyone's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, again, yeah. Just that... 
that, that's one thing I'll bring up too. I, I mentioned it on that particular episode when we hit it, but when Immortal had his resurrection, we got that uh, that flashback that was a different animation style. That's one thing I would certainly be open to. Is um, I always I love it when that's that's the great thing about animation. You're not beholden to any particular style per se. I mean, you obviously want some um, continuity and um, some uni- uniformity in, in terms of the character designs and whatnot. But I, I would be totally on board if they decided to go balls to the wall and look into some different dimensions and stuff like that. We saw all the Flaxons. I, I'd be completely open to more Lovecraftian and just just out there yeah, stuff. So. I, I'm with you. Like, bring in, like, a different art style a little mm-hmm. bit like what they did with uh doctor strange in his movie like mm, just go perfect tri- yeah like like if they go trippy like uh when they're going to like these different worlds and stuff yeah all for it yeah but, like you said that's the great thing about animation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah well uh hopefully it's it's not terribly too terribly long before we have to wait to see this i know Animation does take some time, especially when it's as high quality as this is. But, you know, given the success of this first season and the buzz around it and, um, you know, I it just I, I will say uh, we kind of talked about it at, the, at the beginning when we started doing this podcast. But now that we're kind of coming out on the other side of the, the pandemic, I will say one of the silver linings of the pandemic, I think, is it really um, forced the industry to kind of reevaluate and uh see the value in animation and i i hope that continues and that we'll just continue to see a a new golden age of animation especially for this podcast not being you know self-serving there in any way in any way shape or form but oh no <laughs> so he says. well uh <laughs> all right well well gentlemen unless you have uh, any final thoughts um you want to you want to say about invincible I think that's going to bring this episode of Animation Deliberation to a close. It's been an, an absolute pleasure to cover such a stellar series. And thank you again to all the listeners for all your support and providing your feedback. Um, I think we had a really great conversation today. And I uh, want to give you more opportunities to be a part of it. So if you do have feedback, you know, I mentioned the Stranded Panda chat quite a bit. If you are a part of that community, tag any one of us at any time uh we're always happy to have conversations with you and then uh, if you want to send feedback directly to the podcast you can do that to animation deliberation podcast at gmail.com do you gentlemen have anything to plug no check All out right. trivia wednesday nights stranded panda or uh, twitch.tv slash stranded panda tv on wednesday nights Seven thirty central that's it that's it and then, uh, yeah, well, as I mentioned at the time of this recording, we're going to be doing Modoc's first live episode, but that Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash TV, always has a lot of uh, great live stuff going on. So uh, subscribe to that, set your alerts to it, and uh, you know, see all the great things we're doing there. And I will say, uh, stay tuned. That's T-O-O-N-E-D. Stay wound. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things. With a program that complements your regular recycling. plastics can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance at what I'm hoping for. Your hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag Program. Happening in your neighborhood today. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark.